0: All right, I'm ready. If you're ready, we're ready. We, this is where everything is set up. We're rolling. Up, everything okay. is looking nice. All right, I'm gonna turn our levels down a little bit because these are jacked up. Because these mics are better. Are we back? Yeah, we're back. Damn, I so, miss you guys. I want you to do the intro because we had a we had another guest. So we had another visitor. Here for lunch at. Drift. We keep
1: bringing the heat, bringing yeah. more
0: guests. People said they love the inside look; like they felt like they were hanging out with us, having lunch in the office, which is awesome.
1: That, that's the point. That's a the whole theme. That's a the whole feeling we want for seeking wisdom. Feel like you're here with us, right. hanging with us. Right. And so we're going to do more of these things. Luckily, we have some some cool friends, some cool people we know that we can uh, talk into bringing them in. And sharing what they know with you guys. Mm -hmm. And so we brought in an old friend of mine, Ryan Burke is his name, just known as Burke. I call him Burke. What's up? Uh, And Burke and I worked together back at my company, Compete, a long, long, long time ago through some dark days until some awesome days back there. So shared a lot of war stories with Burke. He was an enterprise sales leader at at Compete. Went on to do other things after we were acquired and then... um, for the last year and a half, maybe two years now, he's been working in a company called Envision, which is blowing up.
0: Yeah, so he's the SVP of sales at Envision. Yep. Um, and
1: uh, oh, awesome, because he joined the company when there were about 35 people. They're like 250, I think he was saying. And, uh, and so he's built that whole enterprise sales motion in a product-led company. Uh, so this is like the new wave. This is what we're thinking about all the time. And he's built customer success, enterprise marketing, the whole enterprise sales motion, and goes into detail to reveal some of the secrets he's learned there.
0: Well, and what you said that was interesting is why you wanted to have him in, other than the fact that you guys are boys. Yep. Um, most companies start, you know, most companies might start with enterprise and then break into free, right? Mm-hmm. Envision has the opposite model, where they had freemium, they built up this huge base of fans and community, and then he came in two years ago to layer on like enterprise.
1: Yeah, and so we think this is a motion we we, keep, we see happening with kind of the newest type of companies, the most modern businesses we see out there, whether it's Envision or Cloudflare or
0: other companies like that, or Drift, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been doing for the last eight months, right? Like, that's true. We had that model. so
1: And so we see a lot of companies moving that motion, replacing the old kind of sell first, build later uh, with kind of build first, prove, give value, give, 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 then ask.
0: Yeah. All right. So enjoy it. This is uh, Ryan Burke. SVP of Sales at Envision.
1: Tell them what's up, Burke. <laughs> okay, this is Ryan Burke, SVP of Sales at Enterprise Sales. Is that what you call sales. it? Sales. Sales, SVP of Sales at Envision. Thanks for coming and joining us today. Yeah, thanks I for having me. I actually want
0: to start with a question. Like, he mentioned you guys were together. Yeah. Um, the most serious thing I think we could ask is, uh, what was it like running sales at a DC company back in the early (laughs) two thousands? Yeah, it was interesting back in uh, 2001. I think we worked together at a company
2: called compete some, uh, dark days early on. (laughs) uh, Um, we had to kind of pivot the product a few times and pivoted the entire sales team out the door a couple times in the early days as well. But, uh, I kind of stuck through it and, uh, Dave was great early on. He was, uh. Kind of the tech guru when we had this unbelievable data asset that we we're just trying to figure out how to productize uh, in the market at that time. So uh, we got through it, Compete had a great run.
0: Dave's yep.
1: And we worked together with uh, an advisor to Drift, Scott Ernst. Oh, yeah. Who's in Japan right now, or else we'd have lots of stories about him. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> we we'll we'll have this. to get him on to come, come in. Ask him about the stress ball in the early days. <laughs> So, all right. So, so we want to spend a lot of time talking about uh, like Envision and, and what you're doing now, and just kind of the business. Um, but I guess before we go into the, the tactical stuff, can you just give us some overview of like how big is your team? Sure. Uh, how many how many reps you have? Maybe sense of like revenue. Just kind of some perspective. Like we know Envision well, but we probably don't know it well from the business side. Like yep. we use it for you know design and stuff. But give us the background on the business side. Yeah, and
2: I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop as well. So I started with Envision just over two years ago. Uh, I was employee 35, so we're now up to uh, just about 250, I think maybe we'll end the year around 255 maybe for uh, the overall company. So when I started a really small sales team, there were two people that I inherited, and uh, we've since scaled that up to just under 60. And that's sales and customer success and operations and, and some BD as well. We introduced that enterprise layer, which was sort of the the, the high end layer, or that we stratified just before I started. So that's been around for about two and a half years.
0: Yeah, so I think that's what we want to talk about a lot today. Is like sure. you you basically joined the company. So the company was you know really hundred uh, percent non sales driven company, right? Like product founders um, had this like kind of free funnel, and then you came. Did you come on to actually launch like an enterprise type of sales team?
2: Yeah, pretty much. So we had uh you know enterprise had launched maybe a couple months before i had joined right so i was brought on to kind of build the go-to-market build the sales team build the strategies uh to go more you know kind of upper funnel on the enterprise and uh you know it was a much more product-driven approach right it was kind of clear from the outset and it was a little bit of a culture shock right i was used to more of the you know, banging the gongs and high fives in the office, bullpen type of environment. Chest bumps. Stress Stress balls. Stress balls, exactly. Screaming at each other. But, uh, um, you know, this was a much cleaner approach, much more product driven approach. And part of it was, you know, did a long stint to compete. Then I did a, a stint in the social advertising space, which was tough, right? And it was more of a lot of the bullshit that comes with sales that wasn't product driven, right? You know, and in social, Facebook drives everything. Everybody else is just reacting. And uh, I didn't want to be in that position anymore. And I wanted to be in a place where, you know, it was a lot cleaner and it was a lot more um, around the product. And
1: it, sorry, you um, So you don't have to disclose exact numbers, but like, what's the split in revenue between like enterprise sales and um, freemium, the freemium funnel?
2: Yeah. So uh, when I started, you know, obviously you know low single digits, um, but the enterprise has been the fastest growing part of the business. So mm-hmm. we're up over fifty percent of the business now, and kind of scaling very quickly. Um, and, you know, that's along a lot of parameters of deal sizes, yeah. number of customers, and we're just kind of moving, uh, moving aggressively
0: upstream. So d- d- when you came on, did you start build like, did, your, did you immediately hire reps and start building, like, an outside, like, your own pipeline? Or were you able to say, oh, we have, you know, 100,000, what, how, million leads, yeah. like, from the inbound funnel that we were able to, like, use data and sort through? Uh, or was it both? Yeah, it was probably more... Uh, a
2: little more reactive when I first started. Right, we did have you know we benefit from the fact that we do have a product that drives a lot of inbound uh, lead lead activity. So, um, early days, it was really about hiring a couple reps that were more, you know, operational. They are more startup flavored, and they could you know jack of all trades type folks that. Uh, could handle a lot of different things and test a lot of different things. And then as we scaled, we'd sort of test and identify areas to get more revenue streams, and then we'd specialize. So now if you think about that 60-person team, it's extremely specialized across top of the funnel. We've got inbound, we've got outbound separate, we've got sales, you know, SMB through strategic, and then post-sale we now have customer success and even expansion. So early it was kind of just doing everything, figuring it out from that inbound, and then testing and specializing.
0: Do you, do you remember like some of the first tests that you ran when you got there? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of them was, uh, you know, the
2: deals were it was such a high velocity model, right? But then the sales cycle in some of these bigger deals was so long, right? You'd close a deal within like three days and the next thing you know, I'd be doing a pipeline and be like, man, this deal's been in here for nine months. What is going on? What's the difference, right? And. So we did a lot to sort of, one, test those more transactional deals. You know, we found early on that like 60% of our deals were under a couple thousand. We're all intramonth sales cycles. We thought, like, right, let's get those out of our hands of our top reps. And then we separated Stratified out of SMB segment. That became really successful. Um, you know, but it's still fairly reactive. And then we wanted to isolate and test what we were doing, sort of these bigger deals. What was driving the long sales process? What was it? You know, and it became down, you know, legal and security and sort of your typical enterprise mm-hmm. stuff.
1: So you mentioned expansion, rep, uh, expansion team. Yep. So your your sales reps don't do the expansion?
2: They do do the expansion as well. Okay. So they kind of work in concert with an expansion team, and we're continuing to iterate. test and iterate on this. But, um, you know, I mean, let's, listen, we're in a little bit of a lucky situation the fact that our product has an inherent virality built into it, right? Because it's a collaboration platform. So for us you know, that impacts our sales motion because we know there's a land and expand component built into the product. So on the front end, we just want to remove any friction, get people into the product as quickly as possible. So to your point, we didn't want to punish the salespeople Mm -hmm. by saying, you know, I could have a salesperson say, I can close this for five grand tomorrow, or I can have this be a nine month sales process and I'll get 15 grand and I'll have a higher commission. Mm -hmm. So like, all right, let's get rid of that head trash. Just close the deal if it grows in, within a certain time period we're going to reward you on that as well. So mm-hmm. that way you're kind of not skewing the behavior of the, uh, of the sales reps. What's going through your yeah, head? Right? What's, What's going, going
0: through your head sales
1: right now? Sales reps always have this hypothesis. they <laughs> just like I'll just wait and it'll be 10 times as big and it's like this crazy deal math.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're good at sort of getting so. the trials, getting people on, banging open doors and mm-hmm. that plays to their strengths a little bit. So, I mean, Inherently, they don't want to wait. Yes. Right? they're just sure. you know they, they want to, need get, to hit this month. They don't need to hit. They need to get paid. Um, so we just want to remove that friction and just allow people to get their hands on the product quickly mm-hmm. and then pay the reps
0: the right way. Mm-hmm. All right, so we, I, I wrote down all of DC's questions because that's part of my job. Um, so just I'm going to try to steer you guys. Sure. But so we, just a couple a couple questions on, on the different the splits of of the model. So yep. number one is on the inbound side those are not touchless. Like even if it's smaller, like do you have a threshold of contract value where they can upgrade completely without talking to anybody or is sales still closing all of those inbound funnel deals?
2: Yeah. So we have the freemium product. So we've got the inbound motion from freemium where we're getting, you know, we've got a couple thousand a day right now coming in. Um, so we do the whole PQL motion, right? Um, and then we have the inbound people coming to the website, going and and requesting an enterprise trial. Um, there's a touchless uh, part of the consumer plan, right? So you can buy a plan up to 100 bucks a month for five people, and that's all self-serve, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right now, anything that's sort of the enterprise flavor, there is the introduction of a sales touch point. Yeah. We will probably move, you know, and cater to more of a self-serve model moving forward as we can continue to stratify at the lower end of the top end. Um, but right now, anything enterprise does have a, a human touch point, and
1: that, that's triggered by tri- by a trial or a price point or both. Or
2: it can be a little bit of both. Um, so we have you know different channels, whether it's live chat, enterprise trial. We've got some content leads, events, webinars, things things like that. Um, but for us, we just want to get people on trials, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's our sales team and Mm -hmm. a little bit dictated by the persona that we sell to so
0: you have freemium but trial is what like an ungated version of freemium
2: it's a enterprise trial it's a trial of the enterprise product right so
0: so it has different features
2: different features Mm -hmm. it's a different positioning Mm -hmm. you know we always wish there were more features but Mm -hmm. there's a, um you know a lot of it's just kind of the positioning of using a product like ours at scale for bigger companies and then layering on some of the features that we know Big enterprises care about like administrative control, security, and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you have? All right, so, you have inbound. You have yep. enterprise. Yep. Uh, are your enterprise reps like also responsible for their own pipeline in addition to what's coming in from demo requests, trial requests?
2: Yeah. So, a uh, couple things. One, you know, a little bit of a page out of Robert's book. Right. The reps are always going to be responsible for generating some opportunities mm-hmm. right just keep that motion going we all know we're going to live in a world that's not going to be purely inbound um so they're always responsible for creating their own opportunities um mm-hmm. then we have the outbound and the outbound we have obrs that are paired with our uh, our account execs they're responsible for creating x number of opportunities as well
0: gotcha okay you mentioned features yep. uh, in a product-driven company, like in closing enterprise deals. How often are you going to the product team and engineering team and saying, "Like, we can close this customer if we build this thing"?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a tough one, right? In our world, uh, you know, a little bit of a blessing and a curse. Our, our consumer product is so good, right? It is a full sort of end-to-end solution in a lot of cases, so. There's not, like, that one silver bullet that people say, oh, if I had this, I would pay X percent more and it would be more enterprise-specific. There are those enterprise-specific features, like security, for instance, like administrative control and management. Um, That's where we play. And, you know, the hard part sometimes is those enterprise features can be features that might not be interesting to your target persona, Mm -hmm. right? So... Designers. Yeah, we sell the designers, right? Mm -hmm. And... It's hard in itself, right? Designers don't like to be sold to, right? Mm-hmm. They want to touch and feel a product. If they like it, they'll use it, and they'll tell their friends about it, right? So they also don't really care as much about some of the more administrative enterprise mm-hmm. functions that maybe a procurement or an IT or somebody or a CIO might care about. So you've got to build those use cases into that story early on mm-hmm. to get beyond just the target persona to help sell it. So enterprise.
0: you have reps that are might the designer might be the first touch, but then they say, okay, we might need security. So I'm going to have to go try to bring this person from your company into the deal.
2: Yes. Yeah. Or, and that's where you can use this, you know, whole notion of the bottoms up, right? We have a great groundswell by selling into this community that, Mm -hmm. you know, the CIO doesn't really care what the salesperson is saying about using the product, but they will care if they see that there's 300 people at their company that are already using it. Right. And that's much more powerful. And that's where you layer on,
0: so kind of is that background. something that comes in in the PQ- PQL model is that like a flag like after x number of people have been invited into this envision file you might get a sales call like do you have do you guys have it down to that much of a science or
2: nah I wish
0: <laughs> you know um there's definitely a science
2: to it and this is an area that we're testing a lot and sort of how many people how many designers are at a company and what sort of your adjustable market and things like that within a company um but we do actively reach out to folks that we know are coming into the freemium funnel from ibm or wherever and we do have a specific message to them catered to hey either a you're at a big company these are some of the things that you know big companies use this for you know why don't you hop on a free trial or b you know what there's already an enterprise account existing here yeah. do you want to talk to the person or do you want to be added to that account and that sort of triggers mm, a different so that motion, Interesting. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah and so uh, is there like a uh, a limit as to the number of people seat based or something like that in the premium product
2: uh, we do have restrictions right okay. so there's restrictions you know the team plan goes up to five users okay. five seats yep. Um but then because we are a collaboration platform there's the ability to sort of share
1: mm-hmm.
2: in a limited basis, like the share links that you can show somebody that they can you know you know review and comment on, mm-hmm. but
1: and is that something that you guys experimented with the number five
2: or yeah, and we'll continue to iterate on that. Right, mm-hmm. I think moving forward into in next year, we've got some other ideas about where we should put those, mm-hmm. um, where we should put those limitations, and I think that also deals with you know how do we potentially self serve, yep. you know, uh, a higher base of users,
1: and how many uh, how did, how many. How often have, are you be, are you testing pricing during this process? Um, Both in the freemium and in your yeah, your end. I mean, uh, or has it been pretty set?
2: It's been pretty set mm-hmm. over the past probably since I've been there. It's been pretty set. Um, we're testing a lot of things right now. We've got a new growth team that we're building. We have got a chief data officer uh, who's running all sorts of data, you know, mm-hmm. models and experiments, and we're looking at some competitive data. So um, we'll iterate, do a lot of testing moving forward. Yep. Um, but it's been pretty set.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, are you guys doing account-based stuff too? Targeted accounts that you're going after?
2: We are. We are a little bit. Um, you know, it's hard. We've got you know a couple thousand enterprise customers. Mm-hmm. Right so the ratios, even from a CSM to, to uh, the number of accounts, it's pretty high. Yep. Right. So we're trying to figure out what that line is at the top end as well to mm-hmm. sort of delineate and say, okay, this is going to require. You know, more dedicated resources from sales and CS Mm -hmm. to go and try to blow that open. What is the playbook for that? And we're developing the playbook on that right now in terms of the types of companies that we want to go Mm -hmm. after. Mm -hmm. Um, In our world, we've got this whole notion of high D, low D, little D, big D, however you want to (laughs) call it. But, uh, you know, that D is sort of the design Acumen for mm-hmm. a better word, right? So the, the Twitter's the Ubers of the world. They clearly get design. They clearly yep. understand the power of sort of the product design. Um, you might we, say drift. Drift. Yep. Exactly. In those exactly. Words, Uber, <laughs> Twitter, Drift. Um, but for us, Lodi is really the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Our biggest enterprise customers right now are banks and financial services companies where maybe they historically have not been as design focused and they want to be and they want to flip a switch. And you're teaching them. And we're teaching them.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that for a second because this is something that we feel too, right? Like some of our biggest opportunities are the companies who haven't used messaging yet, right? Um, but how does that change from a sales perspective like because you can't just go you know it's easy to go and say like hey you guys are using this like shitty tool come and use this it's better totally different conversation where you're saying like you're a bank you've never thought about design right how does that change the sales conversation
2: yeah no it's a good question I mean a lot of it is you know um, they care what we say but they care what the other big companies are doing right Mm -hmm. so the little D (laughs) companies want to know what is Uber doing what is Twitter doing like what are these big D or high D companies doing and we just have to educate them, right? Like my whole mantra with the sales team as well is like, we educate, we don't sell, mm-hmm. right? And educate them on how to use the product, yeah. but more importantly, educate them on what other companies that everybody sort of aspires to be are doing, right? And you're not giving away competitive secrets, something like that, like. but we have a whole design education team now, like we hired Aaron Walter from MailChimp mm-hmm. in sort of a you know, kind of a luminary in the design space. We hired him and his whole job is just to create content and lessons and, you know, understandings of how to do design at scale right and companies are hungry for that.
0: Right? And you especially you go you go to a bank and you can say you can use it, the same design tools that Uber is using. Exactly. There's obviously one champion at that company who's talking to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I
1: want the steps to be called the luminary one day. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. the> luminary? <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll have to work on that. Luminary. That's amazing. Uh, uh, do you segment your CSMs like you segment your sales team?
2: We do a little bit, right? So we've got just the sort of aligned with the SMB or, you know, corporate uh, segment that we have That's where the CSMs are And mm-hmm. at the top end We'll probably move more Into uh, we've, we've been testing out This strategic layer mm-hmm. Right More mm-hmm. of the Traditional elephant hunting You know um, And we'll start to align CS resources With that as well
1: Are any of the CS resources Quota bearing
2: uh, They have a number for They have a baseline number like a based, book of business? based on their book of business With yeah. a growth component built in So right now We have a little bit of a double count on sort of the growth. Yeah, yeah, double count. But that's right? fine, mm-hmm. right? Because you need people mm-hmm. playing nice, not like the compete days where the CS and salespeople
0: were at war. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> the, the, what would happen? The customer success people would get comp for upgrading and, and renewals?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, was always a, it was always a question of the account ownership, right? Right, mm-hmm. so people want to be viewed as that you know
0: main point of contact. Right? Sales might come in eight months later and be like, "Hey, exactly, exactly, let's, up, let's get you upgraded." Exactly. Okay. For us, it's a little different,
2: right? Because our motion is so designed around this education, this product-driven approach that mm-hmm. even the salespeople are, you know, viewed as um, you know product experts, product managers. Even to compete back in the day, the most successful salespeople. Were the ones that were viewed as not the salesperson, but actually had some content expertise and mm-hmm. could add value every time they had a conversation with a rep. It wasn't mm-hmm. just chasing down an MSA. It was, hey, did you see your competitor is doing this, or did you know that this co- client is using the product this way? Mm-hmm. And that's where, what kind of is. Where changes. do
0: your reps get like at, like resources? Just really tactically, like uh, is that coming from customer success, or do you have a marketing team that's like yep. does sales enablement? And, you know, makes you nice looking things to go then yeah. use in deals, or yeah,
2: it's a little of both. Um, Uh, because we're a bottoms-up approach, right, so much is, you know, oriented around kind of catering to this community, and that doesn't have to be just through the product, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you guys now have some socks, or Mm -hmm. we give away T-shirts, right? Mm -hmm. There's those types of things. But content, content's such a big part of that, right? And for us, content, our marketing team does an incredible job of both developing really tactical content and sort of how-to, but also content in terms of Again, what are these high-D companies doing? We have an Inside Design blog series um, that's incredibly well-read. We made a movie. I don't know. It's worth talking. I was supposed to be in it. You were supposed to be in it. Um, (laughs) But we made a full feature-length movie on sort of the power of design and disrupting industries over time. And um, it's been this incredibly powerful vehicle to sort of have a voice in this design community, be part of the narrative of the design community. We're doing... We're doing premieres all over the world now. every customer wants us to come in We actually we're going to release the movie, but so many people want us to come on site and do it We've hundreds of companies have responded for us to come in and do screenings we've had like big companies come in and say, "Can you screen this to our management team so they will understand the value of design That's so awesome. we have this great you know piece of content that um, we can sort of weaponize across mm-hmm. all of our uh Of uh, our community
0: and you I mean you obviously think it works because they can tell you're just excited It's it's your you know You run sales and you're excited about all these branding type things, but do you feel like that gives you? um, Like air cover in deals like are you just you know 99% of people know who you guys are and that helps from a marketing uh, The 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 marketing and brand air cover helps you guys.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean yes, but it is more branding and awareness versus You know a purely gen machine, Mm -hmm. right? But there are ways right we do these you know, VIP dinners and events are sort of associated with screenings. And Mm -hmm. those can become very tactical, you know, enterprise, um, lead gen opportunities. So
0: would you guys treat those as like, you know, account-based selling, right? You have a, like somebody goes to your team and says, Hey, we're going to run, we want to run this event in Boston. Do you have a list of a hundred target accounts that we should invite? Like, is that how that works? Yeah.
2: Or we'll find an anchor company. We did a screening at HubSpot, right? And we'll say, all right, who, you know, HubSpot's in the movie. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll give them the opportunity to sort of deliver this to the the Boston community, right? So they can invite whoever they want, we invite who we want to that, right? And uh, we've done it with
0: you know, It's pretty unbelievable. You think about it. You're in HubSpot demoing your product like telling your yes, story. Yes. And it's like cool, guess who they're gonna buy from. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What is on your mind? What what do we miss? What else should we talk about? Where
1: does marketing sit in your in, in Envision?
0: Yeah,
2: so we've got um you know, we've got sort of two flavors of marketing right now. We've got the enterprise side and we've got more of the consumer, which is more of the branding. Um, and
1: are those two separated?
2: They're fairly integrated now. Okay. Um, but the enterprise team is more responsible for you know, our number of qualified leads, whereas the, um, more of the branding team has more association alignment with the self-serve traction.
0: Where right. did all right? So just uh, like rough math, if you got a hundred qualified leads, sales qualified leads, where did they come from?
2: Yeah, for us right now, like our trial, our enterprise like just trial straight page, up from the website. Yeah, that's where they
0: opted
1: into a separate funnel. They said, "I want a trial."
2: Yeah, versus yeah, we, we are we are seeing some success with outbound, right? And I feel like outbound for us was one of those tests, right? Where being a bottoms up sales motion mm-hmm. predominantly, yeah, it's you sort of think it's more of just a pull motion and pqls and the dream of that right but the outbound still works right you are able to push into these markets if you have a compelling message with a you know articulation of this high d promise and a pretty non-invasive pitch which is do you want a free trial to an awesome product right you know maybe throw on a t-shirt right or some socks or some socks so so so
0: outbound's job is to get trials
2: yes okay um, so everyone's
0: job is to
1: get trials right. In, yeah, I mean for us,
2: seeing? for us that's the biggest indicator of success, right? We just want to get people into
0: the product because again, we don't want to push people. Yep. It's a very how long know, is the trial? It's per, you know two two weeks, and then so that's sales. Like if I'm your sales rep, I am your coach for that two week trial. Yes. Okay.
1: And yep. Do you ever sell non-trial accounts?
0: We
2: do, we do, um, but that's not the motion. That's not typically the motion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, people will be on the. Uh, consumer plan, mm-hmm. right? So they've got a pretty good familiarity of of the of the products, I and mean, maybe they don't need an enterprise trial, but they know a couple of the key features or something that they so want. So that might be a case. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. cool yeah. what, what you, Leo? Um, a question. Just give yeah. it to me. How hard was what it? So, I'm going to repeat the question for our uh, thousands yeah, the, of audience listeners. Yeah, no, the SQL question system. is
2: what happens to a trial if there's no sale? Right. So, uh, a couple of things. One, they'll go back from sort of your traditional nurture. If they want to go onto the to the consumer plan, right, we'll put them back onto the consumer plan. Um, but we want to make the process pretty easy um, for folks, right? So, um,
1: how hard was it to get, like, I, the enterprise stuff, including I see a modal now when I go to uh, envision.com that says, do you want to trial the. Uh, enterprise thing how hard was it and it's kind of a nice trial process how hard was it to do that because i remember like even six months or a year ago i don't remember seeing the enterprise trial process kind of integrated into the website
2: yeah it's become a lot more overt in the last probably six months i think as everybody understands like the economics the economics the trajectory and you know kind of the power that we have of you know catering to these Mm -hmm. larger organizations right and you know the product's you continuing to be a lot more enterprise-friendly, specifically with things like security that we offer now. Um, so we wanted to push that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right? Was that a struggle to get that? No. I mean, we're still early stage, right? You know, if you think about it. I mean, the company's been around since 2011. but early, it's, it's still fairly early, so there's always that, you know. Balance between wanting ubiquity of the product versus like immediate monetization. Right, mm-hmm. I'm the sales guy. I'm like, let's go, you know, let's beef up enterprise, let's sell, let's sell. Right, but that's not always the right thing, mm-hmm. right? So we want to make sure that for churn reasons as well, like it's the right product for the mm-hmm. right company. Um, so it's been a it's been a shift. We'll continue to probably shift more in that direction, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think everybody's on the same page.
1: When you sell enterprise, are those exclusively annual or what's the split? Yeah, right now. Yep. Right now they're annual. Okay.
2: We do annual on the consumer side as well. But often. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: And then that was from day one you started that way? Only annuals? Yes. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: No pushback? You don't get people asking for monthlies on the enterprise?
2: No, if we do, we'll just put them on a longer trial. Got it. Right? I'd rather just extend a trial up mm-hmm. front and then get them on an enterprise deal mm-hmm. than doing a three-month um, or six month pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's revenue implications and all that for those those types yeah. of deals, so it's easier to do.
1: Is there a certain seat threshold that you see as uh, a no brainer on the enterprise side, or is it not really seat driven? It's feature driven.
2: You know, it's more um, for us. Sort of the 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 biggest predictor is kind of what's the size of the design team, right? And that's what we're trying to build more of into the front end of the mm-hmm. sales process because mm-hmm. that to us is. You know, kind of the biggest quality metric of what makes a good enterprise prospect—more mm-hmm. um, than the
1: size of the company,
2: more than the size of the company. Got it. Right, and size of the design team is a little bit of an indicator of that.
1: That's high right. D, a yeah. little
2: low D, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know you've got these because we are getting calls. I mean, we did a call recently with—is it Maersk? You know, the big shipping company, mm-hmm. like massive, mm-hmm. massive company. Mm-hmm. Um, they have design. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you it's ever seen? Small team. You ever seen I The saw, Wire? What's that? You ever seen The Wire? The the show, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, I'm just curious. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that's gonna go.
1: No, oh, the, uh, oh,
2: I know the second
1: season. Yeah, the of second the, season. It's all about the cans, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. containers. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the only yeah, reason why I know. That's the only show that Dave's watched. I <laughs> <why>. Yeah, nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's true. I, all I do is work. I don't have time for shows. Yeah. So no, no wire. Uh, that is
1: crazy. Anyway, what has changed yeah. the most on in your sales team from like kind of sales team and CS team structure from. Let's say a year ago to now.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the specialization has been a big one, right? So as we've grown, um, I think that one of the things is, uh, you know, when I first started, it was like we were selling the dream of design and selling it. And then we got, we hired a lot of product, you know, high product acumen salespeople and got really feature heavy and that kind of approach worked in the trials but now I think we need to move back a little bit. Right? Mm-hmm. I think we over-corrected, overcorrected maybe a little bit, yeah. and now it's back to, you know, selling the dream that you know your product strategy is your business strategy, and design drives product, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a C level message that we need to, you know, articulate. And um, so I think we probably, you know, we're shifting more in that direction. And then the other part of that is, you know, you can ask somebody what how big their design team is, but for us it's as important as well as who's involved in the design process, right? Mm -hmm. that's more people now, right? And that's for us, our sales motion this year and sort of beyond from a marketing standpoint as well will be, you know, those use cases, those tools, those Mm -hmm. features for personas beyond the designer while staying true to, you know, our core community and foundational Mm -hmm. design persona.
1: And would you have, now that you've gone through that change, would you have done that? You think it's right for the time that you're at now, or would you have started two years ago and said like, We should be segmented as a sales team.
2: You know, I think we probably timed it pretty right. I would have accelerated some things like, you know, we know security, especially given the nature of what we do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, people are putting prototypes, prototypes, like Mm -hmm. product prototypes. I Mm -hmm. mean, there's still some companies that aren't going to work with us until, um, you know, we're on prem, prem, right? Because, you Mm -hmm. know, auto companies are telling us they're designing, you know, rear view mirror technology five years down the road. They don't Mm -hmm. want that sitting in the cloud. Um, I mean, you guys are dealing with customer data, Mm -hmm. right? And so... Um, that's a very specific enterprise pain point that I think we're doing a very good job of addressing right now. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we probably could have moved even quicker on that.
1: Mm-hmm. And how do you hire sales? What do you look for in sales reps now versus other companies? Because you've typically done more yeah. more field sales.
2: Yeah. So it's a little different because the product acumen is a lot more important now. Mm-hmm. right? So part of our interview process is so driven by the demo. Right. And you know, just even
1: making them do the demo making right?
2: them do the demo of our product. Mm-hmm. Which is not easy. Right? No, right. I mean the product's pretty intuitive, but they're still, you know, we, we do the whole role play situation and um you know, but that product element is a lot more important, right? Mm-hmm. And that product interest even. You know, we have a freemium product. If a salesperson hasn't <laughs> downloaded the product, like you're out, like that kills me. Mm-hmm. Right. Just go to the damn website, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so that is a different I would say attribute than I'm probably used to, yep. where you know historically it was much more of you know taking companies out to dinner and mm-hmm. playing golf and the million dollar deals and <laughs> hey you know telling a good joke like, that type of stuff it doesn't matter as much yeah. anymore. That's right? who Ryan was killing, exactly. telling exactly. A joke. Yeah, exactly. That's his and specialty,
0: telling a good uh, joke. Like Aren't you guys, are, are you hundred percent right. remote?
2: We are. We are. Is, so that, is that
0: hard from a sales perspective?
2: Uh, it is, and you know we do have WeWork sort of scattered around, right? So we've got a WeWork here in Boston. We've got three others I think around the country Um, yeah it's different it's different and it's different being a 250 person company than it is being you know when I started at 35 and Mm -hmm. the hardest part is honestly trying to pull people out of you know, the HubSpots, the Dropboxes the world, where well, they're so used to these ping-pong tables and Margarita Fridays and all that nonsense, whatever, right? It's good. I like your ping-pong table. <laughs> <laughs> we and I, and we I'll, I'll, we I'll take anybody out. on. I'll take anybody on. That was, on. All right. that was Keith, free from, from that? Elias's house. Yeah. Look at <laughs> that. Perfect. After this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's hard to pull people out. But once they get a taste of it, once they get a taste of, yes, I can go into a WeWork, I can you know, have that interaction if I want, but I also can work from home or work and fail for the winner or whatever, right? It's sales, right? So you still can't hide from the numbers, right? Make your number, hit your calls, be responsive to clients and prospects, be on meetings internally, right? You can kind of live wherever you want.
0: Have you interviewed somebody recently that hasn't signed up for Envision and played around like for an interview?
2: Um, have you hired someone? Have we hired Ooh, someone? I don't think we've hired anybody that hasn't played around with it beforehand. Pro tip. Yeah, yeah, pro tip.
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And where do you put that in the, in the sales interview process? Is that like screening, middle, end, that kind of demo process?
2: So that's probably right after the screening. Okay. Oh, the, oh, the demo process is… Yeah. You know, we do sort of the screen, then we do a, you know interview with the hiring manager, yep. and then we go to the demo process, okay. right? And like preparation, like yep. I would put, mm-hmm. you know, your usage of the, the freemium product in that preparation category, which to me is just really kind of a key tenant yep. of a salesperson because that's also where you can, you know, sort of uncover their yeah, level of hustle or creativity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how'd you prepare for this is mm-hmm. a question I'll always ask. I'll say, oh, I went to your website. Great. Everybody goes to the website. Mm-hmm. What else did you do? Yeah. Well, I found out my sister's brother worked at envision or used as a product, tracked them down. I saw some of their prototypes or I, you know, track down this person at a conference or like those are the types of answers that I want to hear. And that's yeah. not necessarily a prerequisite, but like that creative aspect sure. of the preparation is so critical to me. Mm-hmm. And how do you hire CSMs? Um, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for CSMs, we're sort of evolving that a little bit now because we want people that have been able to, you know, develop these relationships, navigate big internal mm-hmm. organizations, almost sort of, in our case, virtually walk the halls. Um, but, um, you know, so that's probably a little bit more important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still a sales aspect to CS in our world. Yep. Right. So people, and, and obviously the product aspect, right? Because mm-hmm. you they are going to be a lot of times the first line of defense when somebody has a product question. So that's really important um and we're starting to do a lot more on site right even though we're virtual Mm -hmm. like we're starting in inherently um inside model yeah kickoffs and these trainings these education sessions right Mm -hmm. and we see a lot of power in that right especially for the persona that we sell to which is the design persona which hasn't historically been catered to Mm -hmm. like a vp of marketing that's getting hit every day and everybody's like oh i could come on site and give you a demo it's like no, we're going to come on site. We're going to deliver value to you by having somebody come in and do some advanced training and use cases, um, and uh, to the remote point. Yeah, you know, we actually we're a lot more lenient with who we bring to events mm-hmm. to drive that face to face interaction but try to orient it
0: around a customer visit, an mm-hmm. event, a prospect meetup or something. Because like it's that. cheaper to move people around. You don't have yeah. to say, oh, this deal is only you know, a couple hundred bucks. We're not going to fly to wherever. Yeah. What, what's how active, uh, like what's the typical CS uh, relationship with a enterprise customer? Is it like weekly, you know, because you know, HubSpot, you know, other big companies, like bigger companies with bigger deals, for example, like I've heard of people having, you know, a Friday 20 minute call or like once yep. a month check in, like what's the relationship in the enterprise? Yeah. About? I
2: mean our most successful relationships are obviously the ones where we hit, where we have more. I mean, we've gotten some really deep relationships where we have, you know, Slack channels with, you know, our customers. Um, and those are just real. I mean, that's a talk about a sticky relationship, right? I mean, they're just pinging our people all the time, the question and that's great. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't see how scalable, but like, those types of relationships are obviously the most the most powerful and productive. Um, other than that, I mean, the product is fairly intuitive, right? So there's we're more proactive with education sessions or use cases on how to use the product beyond sort of the design Less than persona. like a how-to type mm-hmm. of. Um, so. Did you
1: do paid services yet? Like either paid training, paid kickoffs, service service plans, anything like that?
2: We haven't. We've talked about it. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and especially that was a lot of the background of Compete, right? Yeah, you know, we sure. had that awesome data asset, mm-hmm. but ultimately people wanted to be told what to do with it, right? Definitely. So we layered on that services component. Um, you know, at some point, maybe we'll get there, especially there's an opportunity for those low-D companies, <clears> right? <throat> Big time. We could do it right mm-hmm. now. Like, we could definitely go into the, some sure, of these the lower-D companies and say, hey, you know. 20 grand, kickoff, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So ultimately, I think we'll probably mm-hmm. get
0: there.
1: Got
0: it. One other CS question. um I don't know how much, how often this comes up, but like recently we had a churn, for example, because our main contact at this company left. Yep. Is that something that you try to move around and like, especially in bigger deals, uh, do you try to get yeah. as many people involved from a customer? Perspective? Yeah. I mean, we
2: could do, we could definitely do a better job of that. Right. I think, what was it? The, I think it was the CEO of new Relic of the two biggest indicators of churn or, um, the onboarding experience and your champion leaving. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, for us, a little bit, that bottoms-up approach helps you sort of democratize the champions, right? So we do have a little bit of the benefit of that. Um, we also need to help elevate design as a champion, even internally, right? And that's why sort of design responds well to us, because we are doing a good job of helping them expose the process across the organization. But not all the companies have design with a senior seat at the table, right? So... We're trying to help them cater to that, um, so we do an okay job with identifying the champions. We have these core champions, but to your point, like it's really important to develop more.
0: Right? What's the right? Just like in the past, like what is the way that you've done that? It's other than being like, hey, can we talk to other people on your team? Yeah, I mean, for
2: for us, it's the use cases beyond just the the design persona. So we've got like very specific use cases for like product teams, for instance, and like, and that's what we use is the vehicle to go and try to build a relationship with these, with these product folks, which maybe have more budget, more influence, whatever internally in some cases, um, you know, the onsite visits really help. Right. And then there's also opportunities. We do smaller, more targeted events, right? We do these VIP dinners, right? And you get 12, 15 people in a room, no agenda, a couple hours, nice dinner. Like you'd be amazed at the relationships that you can build out of those things and you know a lot cheaper than setting up a booth at mm-hmm. you know
0: Salesforce or whatever yeah. force. <laughs> a lot cheaper yeah cool. crazy. anybody got questions look at Let's that start. Pete yeah um, this might be on the notes but like as live chat cut through the
1: noise and provide like, useful information like how do you see the roles of like the PDR folks and reps changing like how will it change our
2: lives yeah so the question was as kind of live chat becomes more prominent like how will that change sort of the bdr sdr motion mm-hmm. um i mean it's a good question i mean obviously response time is just like the, the biggest thing right and and so we use live chat right now but um you know it's a smaller percentage of our overall sdr bdr interaction um I think some of the stuff that you guys are doing, honestly, is very interesting where you can input a lot more of those data points in the front end into that chat process. That will change the qualification motion of that SDR, BDR, where it's going to become more of a, you know, I think the the sales cycle is short and it'll be, you know, live chat to demo, live chat to, in our world, live chat to enterprise trial would be great, right? And then you'd probably change the dynamic of the SDR, BDR. We'd probably do more on the outbound side, right? where you're going to do more of that proactive outreach and qualification. That's a big.
0: Yeah, so uh, we talked a lot about how like company vision affects your sales process and your CS process. Yep. Um, how do you keep
1: product aligned with the changes that you make at a high level? Like if you're moving towards enterprise, like you yep. want to make sure that your product is building the right things. Well, yep.
2: yeah so in terms of the the question is how do we align product communication with the sales team as well or yeah, um, yeah I mean you know you know the benefit is we 've got so many users right and we 've got so many we 've got such traction with this uh, with this freemium model on the enterprise um, so we 're getting a lot of data points right, and so for us you know there 's certain things like closed loss data reports are just really important for us, like those are good. Um, you
1: share those with the product team
2: we share those with the product team mm-hmm. right um, that's important the good thing is is that for us there's no surprises right which to me signals there's pretty good alignment right there's not a lot of times where we share some closed lost data on the product teams like oh man why weren't we thinking about that or that's not even something we were putting on the roadmap right we're pretty well aligned with what the market's looking for and um you know we release a lot, right? So we could probably do better job a little bit internally in some of the communication around that, but that's a good problem to have. Um and we're releasing a lot in reaction to what the community, the bottoms up community, is asking for. So um we're trying to do more and this is part of the remote culture as well. We're trying to do more of longer term product vision and where we're going, um, kind of communication across the team, but we're we're pretty well aligned where the product team comes in the sales calls and gives us an update on the roadmap and mm-hmm. We're sharing reports on clothes lost and those types of, and then the product team's talking to a lot of customers, which I know you guys are obviously big advocates of, but we've got some great folks in the product team that are always out there talking to customers about what they want, what would they, you know, what would they ask for that's not currently in the product. Yeah, so that's along the lines that the, the question was when our reps are talking to, uh, to to prospects for the first time, um, this notion of this high D promise, and the, for us the high D promise is you know customer companies want to become more design centric, right? So we do that through you know talking about what some of these other companies are doing, whether it's the Ubers and the you know the the Netflix of the world, and you know not from a specifics within the product, but what they're doing as a company to sort of change their whole focus. You know, Capital One, they've bought two UX firms in the last two years, right? So there's those types of data points. You want to sell that dream to customers, and I want the sales team to be evangelists of the promise of design. And then once the the company gets bought in or the prospect gets bought in, then obviously envisions your sort of logical response to help, to help do that and facilitate it. Yep. Yep. So the question was about the sales CS relationship and sort of the timing of that um, transition. So another thing we're sort of continuing to evolve and iterate on. Uh, Historically, it's been sort of post-sale transitions to the CS person for the kickoff, and then you know the, the the AE is then reintroduced when upsell opportunities are sort of identified, and then. I think it's. I think we're at ninety days now. Um, prior to renewal is when the CS person comes back in and starts to take over. Um, we want to continue to blur those lines, right? Intentionally, right? We want to get more people involved, but again, that's sort of the uniqueness of our sales motion, which is so predominantly land and expand that we want both of these folks in there, you know, talking to customers, banging open doors into new groups internally. You know, you can always do the good cop bad cop thing, which is important to come renewal time. So that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Avery, you had a question?
0: Uh, so I think I'm really interested in this whole, like, selling trials model and, like, what your team internally does to facilitate that, like, two-week, like, really crucial time period of, like, making sure they're getting onboarded and the communication and any type of, like, processes you guys have
2: for your sales. Yeah, um, so the question was about kind of the sales, the, the trial motion and, you know, what are we doing from, from a touchpoint perspective. So we use some tools, right, to identify the health of a trial, right? So then we're proactively communicating with the sales and CS team around what the, the trial health looks like. For us, we're so um, we're so focused on getting as many people onto that trial as possible up front, right? And so we're trying to do a better job of measuring those types of things. Like but for us, like because we want to help companies socialize the design process, we don't want two or three designers kicking the tires of the trial. We want their whole team using it so we want to put incentives in place up front to get as many people on the trial as possible and that can be you know incentives on our side that can be t-shirts for people that sign that are involved whatever it is like that we know that's such a key metric for conversion for us that we want to just make sure that we're expanding that as much up front
1: so talk more about the t-shirts because you guys are famous for for t- sh- sending out t-shirts how do you think about that from a marketing standpoint
0: isn't there like a is there like, don't they have like a page or something like that
2: yeah yeah we have a, we have a marketplace Right. So we, uh, uh, we have a marketplace, right? So boom, we've got great, we've got great t-shirts. I i will bring some. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so t-shirts, just, again, it's a little bit part of the fact that we cater this community, the designers that, you know, that that's a little bit, um, kind of the tone of the design space, right? Really cool t-shirts. They have a mantra that says design makes everything possible, which is sort of our core, our core tenant. And, um, we give a lot away, right? And we use them strategically as well for trials, for onsites, all of that. And so mm-hmm. then we built this marketplace where, again, to be part of this community, we said, all right, we're going to go hire some designers. We want you to make us really cool T-shirts that use our mantra of design makes everything possible. And, you know, similar to kind of what Evernote did, you know, we launched the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we use it probably mostly on the sales side where, hey, For everybody you get in the room, we're going to give you some T-shirts and here's a code, pick your own, right? And that, again, brings them into the process, right? Where instead of just saying, hey, here's a T-shirt, like, come to our marketplace, you know, interact with it where our brand is, obviously, and, um, you know, that kind of engages them a little bit more up front. T-shirts, but not the socks. Socks are like... Socks are are level up. Post-close. Socks are black market.
1: Black market only. Yeah.
2: (laughs) better not see those on ebay
1: no not on ebay that's
0: why I had to give them away because I was going to sell them yeah
1: Elias give back those socks (laughs) (laughs) that's all she has to say cool any other questions Uh, so you're
0: pushing everyone for trials right get everyone in a trial are there cases
2: Yeah, so the question is do we push everybody towards a trial or are there some prospects that maybe aren't ready for a trial for us? Yeah, I mean there's probably smaller companies where maybe they want to, you know, kick the tires of the enterprise. We're pretty loose, like we want like no sweat off our back. You want to take the trial, you know, and it's not the right fit, no problem, right? But if it's a small company where we really you know Tell them that the, the product might not be what they need because the consumer plan so perfectly fits their needs. We'll be up front with them about that.
1: What's the typical, like, on your enterprise, successful enterprise customers? Like, what does the uh, velocity of expansion within the company look like? Is it c- continuous? Is it something that where everyone invites pretty much everyone when they kick off? Or is it like something that you look at as like it's continually growing in those companies? Like you start with a five person, then you go 10, then you go 20, yeah. and revenue just
2: yeah. goes along that. I mean, it depends a little bit on the vertical and the mm-hmm. type of company and the whole sort of deorientation. but But um, it's pretty continual. Mm-hmm. It's pretty continual. Agencies is probably a little bit different. Yeah. Agencies tend to be a little bit lumpier, right, because it's mm-hmm. so much more project-based mm-hmm. uh, or client-based at the time um but on the brand side it's pretty continual i wouldn't say the activity is always mm-hmm. you know on a uh, on a higher trajectory right but the overall number of seats is typically on it on a higher trajectory
1: mm-hmm. and you charge for all seats so you charge just reviewers for, uh, for designers versus viewers like how do you yeah we've you got charge? two
2: flavors of seats within the enterprise product and okay. one of them uh, we charge higher mm-hmm. um where you can you know create and um you know, customize things. And then there's another one that's built for people that are sort of reviewers in the process, as we call them, right? Mm-hmm. That can come in, view something, comment on it, mm-hmm. um, but they don't need the full access. And that's where, you know, senior management would come in or maybe marketing folks or even mm-hmm. uh, some of the developers.
1: Is that something the market told you to do? That viewer versus
2: designer? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, we knew that so many people wanted to be part of the design process. And we wanted to cater to that need without charging everybody for, you know, the the VP or, or the, the CEO is not going to build a prototype, mm-hmm. right? But they're going to be very interested in commenting on something maybe before it goes to market. So we wanted to make it easy for that person, keep them within the enterprise ecosystem where all of those comments and everything are trackable, mm-hmm. right? From a version control standpoint, it's really important. Um, and we didn't want to punish people with a, with a high price.
1: Got it. Well, thank you, Ryan, for coming in. It's been awesome. Thanks for sharing with us.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Next time, more socks. Yeah.